This is Sports Cutting Edge for ASTN, the Australian Sports Technologies Network. Here's your host, Lockie Wills. Uh, it's my great honour to welcome to the show now two gentlemen that have started a company that's the perfect company at the perfect time to begin. Club Funders is the name of the company. Blake Lawrence and Stuart Jacobs are the two co-founders. Uh, boys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Lockie. Thanks for having us. Lockie. It's really interesting, as I say, you know, I say perfect time, perfect company, um, perfect solution. Like for grassroots sport, it is always such a difficulty to make ends meet for sport to go around, for people to be able to participate in sport, and particularly people from a lower socioeconomic background, the ability to access sport. I mean, it should be something that all kids can do, but often it's its the barrier of financial freedom that gets in the way. You guys have come up with a solution to get that out of the way and to create more opportunity for people right across Australia and ultimately right across the world. Um, Blake, I'll start with yourself. So Sterling Mortlock, former Wallabies captain, he's a great friend of the show. He and his uh, great partner in crime, James Godfrey, run XV Capital, and they're powering the future of sport in Australia. And they have thrown their weight behind you guys at Club Funders big time. And Sterlow said, look, you've got to talk to these boys. What they're doing is going to make a gigantic difference, a tangible difference in sport in Australia, particularly for people in the communities. Blake, I know this is your baby from the beginning, and now you brought Stuart and Jacobs on board to be able to help bring it to life and bring all the great technical expertise. I'll start with you, Blake. Can you tell us where the idea came from and, and what Club Funders is? Yeah, so thanks, Lockie, for having us. Um, so Club Funders is a sports payment platform that allows users to convert everyday transactions into revenue for sport. And that could be sponsorship payments, membership payments, or registration payments in particular. Um, I first came up with the idea during the pandemic in particular and seeing a lot of reports around sports clubs were losing a lot of money, were shutting down, um, athletes couldn't compete, they didn't have any funds to be able to go out and obviously competition was closed during that time. So after all these reports and looking and seeing what we could do and how I could fix this, I experienced this problem myself during the 90s as a kid growing up. And you know, for me growing up being, you know, one of five boys with a single mother, the cost of sport during the 90s was still quite high also. And I remember my mum helping out at clubs and trying to offset that cost so that all of us boys could participate in sports and as play as many sports um, as we would like. Um, but still during that time, costs were still high and that's transitioned over a 30 year period now, which, you know, I'm still quite young, but it seems like yesterday. But um, yeah. that's how I came up with the idea and thought, well, what can we do to get, you know, revenue into clubs as fast as possible? And how can we make it so we can get, you know, the community and business to invest back into sport in an easy way with not such a high cost as an, or an entry cost in particular? Um, and, yeah, obviously, um, being up here on the Gold Coast, um, I needed a co-founder and came across uh, my right-hand man, Stuart Jacobs. Uh, Stu, tell us about that, mate. When you, so my understanding, you grew up in South Africa, you've come here to Australia, and um, now you're, you're on the Gold Coast, you're living the dream, and then you get Blake come up to you and say, look, I've got this idea. Can you tell us how, you, you know, what was your initial reaction? And, and now, obviously, you're well and truly on board and helping to breathe this dream into life. It's a very cool thing, mate. Tell us your side of the story, please. Yeah, absolutely. It was quite interesting when Blake initially reached out to me. We went on a little bit of what we call and co-founder world LinkedIn Tinder. 
So <laughs> I got a cold message from um, from Blake on LinkedIn, and he kind of gave me the elevator pitch uh, via instant message. I really resonated with what he said, and we we grabbed a coffee from there. And he essentially just uh, told me his vision for club funders coming from Africa, really related with the problem of struggling to to fund sports. I was a good golf player myself when I was younger and and had all of the same problems which Blake was describing, uh, cost of gear, getting onto tours, and usually understanding that those things were, were generally just really difficult to get funded um, in all aspects. So I was surprised coming from a full third world country into a first world country to hear that that problem still resonates. And as the club funders journey has progressed, it's something we've realized is a global phenomenon, uh, just being really difficult for clubs to get money into the door. It was really good timing from a synergy perspective because I was just working on a, a big blockchain project with um, in-app wallets. And so I had the technical expertise to kind of architect uh, what V1 would look like, but then also realized that the open banking movement within Australia was just starting uh, to boom at that point in time. Obviously, on the success of applications in the United States like Venmo, which has become a verb, um, and it's uh, it's been such an amazing phenomenon just in the States. So I think we had perfect timing from when we met and how the technology that we ran with is being adopted um, over the past few years. Well, first of all, Stu, I like that LinkedIn Tinder. We're going to, you know, like they usually pull out a quote from interviews and they put that as a title of a video or whatever. That's going to be it, Stuart. That's <laughs> LinkedIn <laughs> Tinder is going to be one of them, Stuart. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm now going to borrow that phrase <laughs> moving forward. So thank you. Um, Stu, it's really interesting there what you mentioned with regards open banking. I want to get into that and dive into it a bit. Uh, most promptly and, and it's particularly interesting in the in the data space the fact that google chrome is eliminating uh, third-party cookies so we're seeing a, a whole move away from you know the the data scraping screen scraping but where do we move forward with how, how can we have businesses in this case clubs leagues etc interacting and engaging with fans getting consumer insights where does that where, what does it look like moving forward? But I want to touch on, Blake, what you said there. Well, first of all, congratulations to your mum because she's done a bloody awesome job um, with you and, and your four brothers. Can you just give us a bit of an insight into um, how tough that was at times sort of, and, and, and to the extent to which that's driven you and drives you forward to, to, main, you know, to, to make a difference whereby some other kid has got a similar situation and they don't have to perhaps have it as tough as, as you did. Can you give us a, an insight in that regard, please? Um, I think perspective is always a great thing, Lockie, to look and like, you know, um, I did have it difficult, but there's always other kids out there that have got it worse off than I did or, you know, at that time. But yeah. I think what drives me and motivates me is, you know, even heroes that I look to like LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Bam Adebayo and these NBA players in particular that went through the same thing but got through and became, you know, professional players. Yeah. But I think the main thing is, is I don't want to live in a world now being a father where, you know, my kids, friends and peers aren't able to play sport. And I've already started to see it. And my boys are only six and four. So for me, that's what drives me is, you know, I don't want to live in a world where kids aren't able to play as many sports as they want to. Like, you know, it was difficult for my mother to do it, but, you know, she made sure that we were able to facilitate, you know, some sports that we love to play. Um, but that's that's what drives me, mate, is I don't want to live in a world where kids can't afford to play sport. It's just, yeah. it would not exist for me. <laughs> well, as I say, congratulations to your mum. And what's your mum's name, actually? We should give a shout out, a proper shout out. Uh, Karen. 
Karen, yeah, g'day, Karen. Well done, Karen. You've done a ripping <laughs> job. What about for yourself, Stu? Like, as you said, you know, you're a great promising athlete coming through playing golf. Um, what was that like where the sort of the rubber hits the road and, and those financial barriers are really creating a drag on what otherwise could have been so much better, so much easier for you, for your own experience? Yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to grow up in a financially stable household. Mom and dad were in the Air Force for 45 years, both of them respectively. respectfully. So I always had enough, very much similar to Blake. But there was definitely, especially in the, the game of golf, um, money does play a very big role especially to get to to really high levels of coaching, which is probably where, where it fell off the gaps for me. And in particular, coming from South Africa, most of your big tours, which the kids that showed promise that will go on to play on the PGA circuit, um, most of those tours were international. And that that barrier to entry to, to paying, uh, you know, in South African rands, 50, 60,000 rand, was just too much for, for mom and dad to kind of facilitate and get me onto those tours. So... It, there was definitely a lot of moments where I, I thought what a, what could have been if funding was different for myself. And I think that's just why I resonate personally with the with the problem that much. Yeah, bloody oath. Well, actually, we'll do a shout out to your mum and dad too. 45 years of the Air Force, bloody good effort too. Hey, what are your parents, what, what are their names? We'll shout out to them too. Yeah, it's Tish, Tish and Tony. Tish and Tony. All right, Karen, Tish and Tony. And, and it really gets to the heart of it because that's that's what so much of it is. And for people listening, I think this will be particularly will resonate because, I mean, sport at the end of the day, obviously, if you end up making it to LeBron James or whatever, that, happy days. But for so many of us, sport is a way to connect with others. It's a way to feel a part of something, to feel a sense of belonging, to have fun, to have joy. Uh, mental, physical health, all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's what sport is, really. It's fun. Um, but being able to provide more of that to more people is what you at Club Funders are doing. Blake, tell us about sort of the way that, as you said, over COVID, you sort of saw, look, we still got this problem that was happening 30 years ago when I was a kid. How did you sort of conceptualise Club Funders and, and in terms of the way that you've been able to put that into practicality and then we'll get to Stu with the technical side of it with open banking etc I think the main uh the base concept behind it was you know what's the quickest way to get revenue into clubs and what technology can we apply um to ensure that we can get uh revenue into clubs and what technology is available now or what technology do we need to build um and I mean that's the baseline of sport in general it doesn't matter if it's grassroots or professional sports in particular it's all about you know membership numbers sponsorship numbers and in particular you know participation numbers right so what could we do to make that easier and how can we make that more obtainable and open up the market across, you know, obviously, uh, you know, APAC area and then internationally. And then how can we cross border those payments as well to give any sporting league, sporting club organization, the ability to transact globally. So that's, mm -hmm. that's sort of, that answers the question. Um, I think the main thing Russell, where the passion comes from that you just touched on as well is, you know, here at club funders is, I could hear it in your voice, Lockie, about the tribalism behind sport. And we talk a lot about here at Club Funders with our team is how can we get tribalism connecting with transactions? How can every payment that we make, whether it's a coffee, a, a small purchase, large purchase, online, in-store, how can we get that emotion and passion of your sports club, your local team, your professional team, and how can we get that into every transaction and mould that together so you know, it gives people a sense of belonging, belief, um, and the and the numbers are 
Stark, mate. I mean, Blackburn Rovers is a prime example, right? Like when they were in the EPL, you know, self-harm was very, very low in the community. And then when Blackburn Rovers got relegated from the EPL, self-harm increased in the community. So that psychological effect between tribalism and sport is huge. So how can we get tribalism and transactions together? And we think we've got the formula to do that. 100%. It's so interesting you say that. So from a like a Melbourne perspective, where I grew up, uh, the old man came from uh, West Heidelberg, which is uh, part of Melbourne that has been sort of, um, well, I suppose has been much besmirched uh, by people that don't live there in terms of the socioeconomic situation. But yeah, the best people you on earth you'd meet. My grandma, Dot, is still there. And uh, anyway, so that is like a cauldron of Collingwood fervour. So Collingwood, reigning premiers, of course, the greatest uh, sporting team in Australia, Stuart, and that's really the one you should barrack for. I know you're in rugby league heartland, but when you look south to AFL, think Collingwood. Um, yeah. but, but the thing is that the passion there for Collingwood and for football, for Aussie rules footy, but for Collingwood was huge. And, you know, watching Collingwood on a Saturday back in when it, they just used to play on a Saturday afternoon was the thing that galvanised that community. And so it is like what you say there, Blackburn, that that tangible connection. Um, but that's what sport does for people. It's the same as you hear the stories about the effect of Don Bradman during the Depression years in Australia, et cetera. So, um, all right, Blake, we'll get to the tech in a minute, Stu. But, Blake, if I'm – okay, so I'm, I'll, I'll come back to Queensland. I'll go uh, up the road to Brizzy. I'm playing the Cooper Career Club. I'm playing in the threes and I've got a kid in the under-12s. And I go onto clubfunders.com and I see there's a link to go to either the App Store or the Play Store. I go to the App Store on my phone. I download the Club Funders app. How do I interact? How, what is my experience? What am I doing? How am I being club funded? Yep. I think it's, it's really, really easy, mate. First thing to do is download the app, set up your account. You can either connect your bank account or obviously your Visa or MasterCard and allocate a percentage of your spending towards your club funds in particular. And how that works is, is for example, I connect my bank account, I go out to the coffee shop, I go buy a coffee, I can allocate 2.5% of that purchase to go towards either your kids under 12 cricket fees or your own in particular. And how club funders works is, mate, is the percentage that you've chosen, we just send it straight through to the cricket club to pay for those fees. It's really simple. Very good. That's sensational. And Stu, how have you been able to formulate this from a technical point of view? And and in addition to that, if you can give us an insight into open banking, if you can sort of give us like, a, what is it? A bit of a DIY into what is it? And then we go from there with the future of it. Yeah, definitely. My, my technical background is definitely one that's been uh, deeply vested in data and analytics itself. So what open banking essentially is, is a protocol which is globally now um, renowned as the, the go-to de facto standard for how all technical entities and businesses integrate into any form of transactional data. So it just means that the banks have opened up a protocol to actually get all of these transactional data for their users in a secure manner because previously with things like screen scraping becoming very popular in the last decade or so, a lot of technical companies were retrieving transactional data through un, untracked and you know, unsecure ways. So open banking sometimes to users out there is, is a very scary term. When we say connecting your bank account or connecting your account, what am I actually giving to club funders or any entity using that? 
And at its core, it's a secure protocol, which makes sure that when we access your transactional data, it's done securely. The bank knows about those um, all of those transactional reads, which we do into our database. But what it allows us to do as club funders is actually when you go to the coffee shop, pick up that transaction, know how much you spent, and whether that transaction is actually within um, a, a set a set of settings which you allow us to to access and want to spend on. So if you go to a coffee shop and that's you want to have a spending category specifically just targeted towards food and cafes, open banking allows us to kind of segment all of those transactions. Mm. And and sure, from what you're saying there, it sounds like that you know that it was almost the wild west of data banking data. And this has come through as a way to tighten it up, to regulate it, to bring privacy and safeguards into it. Would I be correct in, in describing it like that? Absolutely. So companies like ourselves will be heavily, heavily regulated through the banks. So each time we access your data, it's secure. And it also gives full uh, full control to the user. So in the Club Funders application, we have, have a very easy flow for you to connect and disconnect your banking. So at any point in time, for any reason, you become uncomfortable or you just simply don't want to share that data with us anymore, that mechanism is available to you in the application. And we're seeing that big time that there's been such a move towards greater safeguard and privacy with regards data, you know, we've seen it, you know, with regards tracking, um, the ACCC has cracked down hard on some big tech companies in recent times. So there is such a greater awareness, I think, from the community, which as a, as a consequence of that has meant that tech companies and, and financial institutions, et cetera, have had to tighten up big time to now align with where community standards have moved as people have become more aware. Uh, Stuart, and tell from my understanding as well, you, you're saying that there's so there's strong government backing of what you're doing as well. Absolutely. So we're seeing a lot of legislation um, talk out there in the banking or in the fintech space. And we're definitely moving towards a a space where open banking will become the the only standard allowed to interact with transactional data. Mm-hmm. So much so that there's a lot of forecasts by the year 2030, we'll we'll probably see the end of just your conventional account number and BSB type of sharing um, and and accessing in the banking space itself. So the the whole world is essentially moving towards open banking. An interesting fact is also one out of four. Um, people in the United States are connected to open banking in some way, way, shape or form through technical applications right now, as we said today. So definitely seeing a, a move to this becoming the new norm. Yeah, it's funny, like living in New York now, Venmo is huge. Like everyone has Venmo mm-hmm. and it's sort of like, it's such a norm, like it is. I mean, often America leads away with these things, uh, becomes the, the fashion trend and everyone follows eventually. Um, have you found it, Blake, with regards that, you know, Australians by nature can be a little cautious, part of our uh, sort of our, our makeup. Have you found that with regards open banking and and the fact that really, you know, as we've been chatting about with Stu, that it used to be the Wild West. This is just something to bring a sheriff into town and, and get it all into line, yeah? It's funny, Lockie, because a lot of payment companies actually come to Australia first because Australians are one of the first adopters of um, new payments technologies in particular. Yeah. Um, but so far, mate, like we like Stu just said and we reiterate on is um, – being backed by the government and ACCC and CDR accredited um, through the government club funders is, um, it's been pretty good. Um, We haven't seen much pushback whatsoever. And I think what's great to explain to the listeners in particular is, is the data that we can see is 
we utilize that to give you better offers and better deals to help you with obviously everyday costs, everyday expenses and moving forward, like Stu just said, um, you know, we're looking by the end of this decade that there'll be no checks. You won't be able to transfer funds between BSB and account numbers. So with us in open banking being connected to 138 banking and financial institutions, we send payments quicker, which means obviously is that our fees are heavily reduced. And, you know, we're seeing times of sending payments between, say, Commonwealth and NAB between 0.4 seconds. So um, getting those payments like Venmo, which you talk about from a peer-to-peer -peer aspect for payments, um, we're in a really good space. And, um, you know, in endorsing and actually building this technology into the future, it's going to be an important piece for, for sports in the, in the world. Yeah, gotcha. And and have you so in Australia uh, yourselves? Like, what have you noticed some differences that what you've done with club funders has made? I know that twenty twenty four you're building into a huge year this year, but similar to you know what we've been saying with the, the tangible difference, whether it's the Collingwood thing or the Blackburn thing, um, with you guys, with what you've seen with different uh, organisations you're working with so far. Yeah, um, in particular, um, we've just partnered with a company called Sign-On Day um, and Sign-On Day have 20,000 community sports clubs on their platform. And what we've built with them is what we call our Save Now, Play Later model, where we have the ability for you know friends, family and peers to all contribute to registration fees to lower the cost for individuals in particular. Um, and that's been a really great success so far. And the Save Now, Play Later gives us the ability that you can start saving now for next season sports registration fees or membership fees in particular. So we, we've noticed there's a big gap between when seasons finish for, you know, anywhere from grassroots all up to professional and the disconnect with that user base in particular. So with the Save Now, Play Later model, it's really simple. Same thing again, connect your bank account. Every time you spend, it just builds up into your club funds account. And then you have the ability to spend that money through our partners like Sign On Day and pay for those registration fees in advance or have a payoff model for them also. Mm. And have you found, like going to market, Blake, like is what's been your, your strategy with regards, and congratulations on getting Sign On Day. That's a huge acquisition for you guys, like, 20,000 community sport, that's that's a big win. Um, have you, what, what's your approach been as you build out? I mean, you've got the strongest concept imaginable. Have you gone and, and sold it to the market? Um, it's been, to be honest, um, marketing is obviously a key piece and we'll really ramp that up coming up this year in particular. But I think the main thing is, is like me and she always talk about is founder-led sales, obviously connections that we've got in the market, getting feedback from users, you know, everyone's got great ideas, but here at Club Funders, we're all, all about building the best products for our users. So it's been probably uh, a little bit slower than what we would like, to be honest. But the main thing is, is getting back out into the market and just giving it into the hands of users. And what we've seen thus far is a lot of network effects as well, considering, you know, where we are as a company and being still very, very early. Um, but our, our go-to-market strategy has been pretty good thus far. And obviously our partnership with XV in particular, um, you know, we've, we're talking to a lot of big uh, clients in particular that are, are looking to come on board really soon, um, which puts us in a good space as well from those network effects and marketing aspects also. Well, I mean, that's it, Blake. Honestly, the, the strongest re-endorsement you can get is the fact that XV have got on board. Like, because they... 
they're really one of the most pivotal capital firms in sports in Australia now. And, you know, they're, they're behind just for people that might have missed the different episodes. Sterlo's been on the show a lot, but, uh, you know, they, they've got the smart ball technology that's now what's in rugby union worldwide, but it's about to be uh, brought into the AFL smart ball tech and they're behind that company sportable coach mate uh, michelle and lee we've had on the show previously as well they've got a great product uh, basically bringing coaching acumen and encouragement to people throughout the sports community in a really tangible easy to digest way empowering mums and dads to be able to coach sport and give their kids the best experience possible and now your business dovetails beautifully into it because you're the one that's allowing the the dollars and cents to be able to go around to be able to make the sport possible. Um, so it actually, it does all synchronise quite nicely. But the fact that XV have identified out of the thousands of people that would come through their door and say, hey, please, we'd love to be involved. The fact that they've identified you, that's, it's, uh, yeah, you, the future is looking very rosy. Stu, for you, um, I know that you guys are big on being able to adapt and, and work with your consumers, work with your customers to be able to refine the product and build it stronger and stronger. Can you tell us the way that you've been able to do that based on consumer feedback that you've been able to amplify what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. I think I think with the key partnership with Sign On Day, it's taught us a lot about their journey for the last seven years, acquiring that database of 20,000 clubs. And the one thing that some of the feedback we had to incorporate is that a lot of sporting entities just don't have the technical capacity to embed technologies like open banking and the technologies that we have um, by themselves. They don't have a technical team or a team of software engineers that can just take your technology, whether it's EPOS, um, and just integrate that into the club's front desk. So what's been key for us is to create the software where it's as, as little touch points on the technical side as possible to integrate into the club. I think we've done that successfully with our mobile applications and, and club funders web where they've got a portal where it's easy to register and just get themselves connected. But then also we've really put a, a big focus on our larger scale, more towards your professional clubs and, and business to business selling where we've created a integration, a web integration or checkout essentially, so that we can embed our club funders payment technology on your checkouts, on your website or on your club's um, main page. And so the way that we've gone about that is to make that as easy as possible. And if the club doesn't have the technical means, it's it's structured in a way that club kind of club funders can get you up and running quite easily. So we really try and respond to to what's going on within the sporting space, the club space, but also understand how tech integrates into sport itself. Yeah, very much so. And and as you say there, Stu, you know, having that business to business aspect as well. Blake, how big is that moving forward, do you reckon, for your business model, that that business to business interaction? Uh it- Probably, Lockie, you know me well enough that I'm very, very optimistic. (laughs) But look, honestly, it's going to be a key part and is of our strategy in a lot of ways. And I think overall is is like like Stu was talking about, you know, our API to be able to provide a a checkout in particular, like a a PayPal or a ZipPay or someone where it's club funders. And like we spoke about earlier is around that tribalism connection is 
for us around you know our product itself and obviously with those big partnerships that we have coming up soon is is we're accessing millions of fans and millions of members for us but what's so great is about our product and what we've learned is is you know how can we get fans to transact with these entities right how can we get them to transact with an entity but they may not be able to be a member like like yourself lucky you're obviously a huge collingwood fan and i won't hold that against you <laughs> But, What's your team, Blake? Who are you? I'm um, on West Coast, so um, <laughs> yeah, we won't go back to 2018. We'll leave yeah, that. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so for you right now, being a fan of Collingwood based in New York, we have the ability coming up soon to say, "Hey, Lockie, um, you can have the ability to get access to deals through Collingwood in particular as a fan, and able to save on either daily items, future trips, plans that you've got, and utilize club funds that you've built up to spend either with the club, and obviously the club gets some revenue from that as well." To, we know memberships are big, obviously for professional entities, and and it's yeah. crucial to them in particular. But getting fan revenue now is where we're going. And we see that we've generated a lot of interest over in the US in particular with, with a few professional sporting entities. And they are very, very interested in how can they get fans to transact more with the organisation, the league or the club. That's really interesting because that was going to be my next question, Blake, is where do we go to next? Obviously, you started at grassroots and that'll always be a key Clearly, a big part of what the passionate driver is behind, and a and a key part of your business as well. But that fan top tier elite sports fans is where we're going next, Blake. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, there's always good research out there, and and it's really funny. Like, you know, Collingwood is meant to be the biggest club in the AFL, and and Correct. in a lot of ways with members. But it what's <laughs> what's <laughs> What the truth is, is actually the Sydney Swans have more fans across the world than any other AFL club in the AFL landscape where, you know, you look at the Swans and you go, okay, they've had 65,000 members last year where Collingwood had 109,000 members last year. So when you're looking at that and looking at the fan numbers, it goes, okay, how can we get these fans to transact with the club? But to ensure, as like we said, get connecting the tribalism and the transactions, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you broke my heart, Blake. And, uh, <laughs> hey, but out of those out of those more Sydney supporters, get them to name one player. <laughs> yeah, but no, seriously, um, I think that's really interesting that you say that, the fact that you can bring uh, more. It's like Richmond, for example. You know, like R Richmond um, were no good for 40 years and then they started winning premierships and suddenly, jeez, a lot of fans around. Um, but, like, they were sort of disconnected, you could say, by choice, for a long time. So you can uh, – this is another mechanism to keep fans more deeply engaged. And, yeah, and it's, it just benefits the fan as well and the club and creating that value chain between fan and club. It's – getting the commitment from a fan, like you just said, hey, I'm a Richmond fan, but when we're not going well, I'll keep quiet. But when we are going well, you know, yeah. I'm up and about. And that, that happens in all sports, right? And that's, that's a key part to, you know, professional sports strategy. If you're not winning on the field, you usually don't win off the field when it comes to the revenue and finances as well. So it's a really big space. And, you know, for example, Shu and I, um, I'm a massive Miami Heat fan in the NBA, so what can I do to transact with the club and what can the club offer me? Like whilst watching games, you know, they offer if Miami win, they get 50% off Papa John's pizza, right? Mm. So how can we get that over here into the Australian market and go, okay, can we get 
Domino's on board and offer the same thing to the Miami Heat fans where Domino can drive revenue, but the fans get the benefits as well, but the club also makes revenue from it as well. So that that's where we're heading in that space. And, you know, within two years, we'll have the ability to do that across the world. That's sensational. I was, it's funny you say it, it's sort of that three-cornered relationship where you get, uh, yeah, the Papa John's, the Miami Heat and the fan and everyone is winning. Everyone gets their slice of the action, so to speak. Um, and, and and also the globalised factor, Stuart. I mean, you're as you said, you grew up in South Africa, now living in Australia, sports interests all over the world. Like you can be able to connect with fans globally with your technology. How have you found that from a, from a geo strategy point of view, creating a product that will resonate globally. How have you found it, technically speaking? Yeah, it's a really good question. From our perspective, we had to make a decision very early on from a technical perspective, whether we're going to actually become the technical provider who implements open banking ourselves. So what that means is, Blake earlier mentioned that we've got access to over 140 banking institutions throughout Australia. And essentially how we did that is we become an open banking technology aggregator, so we use open banking providers, as we call them, um, globally in different continents to, to that already walk the long yards of integrating into all of these banks. And what that means for club funders is that we can spin up easily in the States or in a Europe location and do so by using those, those providers, which are already in place, trusted, and have been in the market for a long time. So that was kind of one of the key strategies that we had. We early looked on whether we want to do those integrations into the banks ourselves or go with the trusted partners. And it, it just makes sense from a security perspective as well. They've they've been in the market for a long time. So when we look at company or countries like the States and we want to make that move, we'll be building club funders essentially on what Venmo is built on as well. It's it's those providers and is that trusted and that we can do so pretty quickly at that. Well, you're on strong footing again. You know, the fact that you've got that strong tech apparatus in place. Um, gentlemen, I, I think the future's huge. Right, let's, before we go, because I, I get the fact that you both have got a lot of vision behind what you do. Um, and I, I dare say with your, your, your LinkedIn discussions where you first met, that was a big part of the fact that you guys sort of synced in together. The fact that you both obviously got the passion of wanting to do something, but but the vision of where it can head to. And it's just great whenever we get an Australian company on that has got a big vision and has gone and actually puts it out there into the, you know, into the global ecosphere and gets it done, which is so cool. Um, what about in 10 years time? Like if we were having this chat 10 years time, what would you like to be able to reflect back on that you've achieved in, in this 10 year period? Um, Stu and I talk about this a lot and we've dreamed and our vision is is obviously the 2032 olympics coming soon is a big part of that and yeah. we've always dreamed and envisioned is if we can get more olympians in particular or i'll take a step back if i was watching the olympics and i saw a kid hop up who's won a gold medal regardless of anywhere in the world and they said hey big shout out to club funders because I wouldn't be here without club funders. For us, that, that's where we see it, you know, is around how can we make anyone become, you know, a professional athlete or an Olympian and make it sustainable for them. So that that's for us. It's it's really big vision, but me and Stu would sit there and we, I could envision us having a coffee or a beer and just sit there and go, well, we've done it. We, we've achieved what we set out to do. I love that. That's a bloody good answer, Blake. <laughs> that's a really good answer. I that that sums it up. That's sort of where we started, you know, talking about your mum Karen and and the job she did with you and your four brothers. That that sums it right up. What about for you, Stu? I mean, 
similar sort of situation, mate. You want to be able to look back and see someone win the, the Masters at Augusta and, and they say, well, actually, that was thanks to club funders. Yes, I I think, Blake, I can't follow that up much better. But <laughs> at that, for me, at its core, I just want the product to be something which allows athletes and clubs to do what they do best, to firstly have fun and enjoy the game of sport, whatever it may be. And if you are talented enough to to make it into the professional realm as an athlete, uh, funding or monetary constraints should not be a problem. And, and that's where we come in. So we can just let you do what you do best, focus on the game of sport, love it, and um, just take your potential to the highest point it can without any financial constraints. Well, that's an equally beautiful answer, mate. Yeah, well done to you guys. I, I, I love what you're doing. I love your progress that you've already made. 2024 is a huge year. As I said, the fact that Sterlo, Sterling Mortlock and James Godfrey are behind just shows that this is going to be a business that gets big things done in the next, well, 10 years. And, and pushing beyond that, no doubt, as well. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Blake Lawrence, Stuart Jacobs, I appreciate it very much. I have to get you back on the show maybe 12 months' time. We'll see where it's all gone to, and I, I can't wait to hear and see more of your success moving forward. I encourage everyone jump on clubfunders.com, clubfunders.com, and then Club Funders. You can download the app in the either Google Play Store or the App Store, Club Funders. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it, You've been listening to Sports Cutting Edge for the Australian Sports Technologies Network. For more, jump online at astn.com.au.